Father, we commit this time to your hands and we pray that you would, by your spirit, speak deeply. Change us, Lord, to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? For the past few weeks, folks, I've been teaching you a series about how to pass tests that you're going to come across in life. I had one of the gravest tests, Kimberly and I, that we've had in our lives this week. All of these tests are found in the book of Daniel. Daniel faces eight of these tests. His friends faced one. And King Nebuchadnezzar faced one. And that's all we're going to dwell on today. The Bible is very clear that before every blessing, there is a testing. And God tests you with stress before he trusts you with success. Jesus explained this principle in Luke chapter 16. You must be proven trustworthy. Must be proven trustworthy in small things before you'll be trusted with greater things. And if you have not been faithful with what is not your own, who will trust you to give you of your own? Now, so far, we've looked at five tests. We've looked at when life doesn't turn out as you planned. And what I've noticed, for the first, say, 30-odd years, you can go pretty smoothly in a bubble. And all of a sudden, that bubble will pop, and some things in your life will come into them, not as you ever, in your wildest dreams planned. And that was the first test we looked at of major change. Remember, we saw Daniel being deported from Jerusalem, leaving all of his parents as part of a prison of war and being moved to Babylon. Then the second test we looked at is when you are co- coerced to conform. That's the whole thing of peer pressure. And we looked at the, the food test, as you may remember. Then we looked next, the third test is when your beliefs are berated and belittled. And then the fourth test was, Martin took that, and it was a big one, three pages I hear, Martin, when you're facing impossible challenges. Ooh. Last week, I looked at watching what you worship when the heat is on. Boy, the heat's been on this week. I won't go into the other ones, but there's some more tests coming up. We need to have a difficult conversation we're going to look at. When people work against you, we're going to look at when your situation looks hopeless. But today, I'm going to look at something very, you probably haven't heard before. When God tests you with success. Even success has a test in it. Have you ever seen success ruin somebody? Went to their heads? They couldn't handle it and it changed them. In fact, I have seen more people's character, godly character. Let me just narrow this down a little. I see more people's godly character ruined by success than suffering. Why would that be? Because when you're suffering, where do you tend to go? Help! You look to God. But when you're successful, you tend to forget God. I've noticed that in life. Success can be dangerous to your soul. It is a test. Remember, three things. Life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. Daniel chapter 4, for those of you who are reading, you know where we are. The tree, the dream. 
I won't go through the entire thing, but we'll work our way through this. Highlights. Background. Nebuchadnezzar is going to lose everything because he has a big, fat pride and ego. He was the most successful, powerful leader on the planet. Even as a young general, he defeated the Assyrian army. And by the way, he built the most beautiful gardens in his city. And it was one of the renowned seven wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. This is the guy that did this. About 32 years after his first dream, he has another dream and he's freaked out and he calls Daniel because none of the other guys had a clue. First dream was in chapter 2. Now this guy's in his 50s and it's a, a weird dream, so he calls Daniel. Then Daniel tells him the meaning of the dream. And I'm not going to go through all that. You can read that yourself, Daniel chapter 4. But basically, he's pretty gutsy. Daniel stands there and says, God is fed up with your pride and your arrogance and your supersized, upsized ego. Don't you realize, Nebuchadnezzar, you would have nothing if God hadn't allowed it? And even after God showed you the miracles that you'd seen, you ignored him, like how he saved my friends. Remember the time when you made a big pro public proclamation about the one true God? But you never followed up on it. You forgot God in your abundance. So because you haven't been humble and acknowledged God, God is going to remove you from being king for a season. And actually, you're going to lose your mind. You read it for a while. You live in the desert and you'll act like a wild animal. That is extremely humbling. From the top straight down to ground zero. But, Daniel says to him, if you humble yourself, if, again, there's a choice involved here, you humble yourself and you turn back to God now, you can skip this entire painful experience, which I've just told you is going to come to pass. But unfortunately, the king dilly-dallied, procrastinated in doing the right thing. He did nothing to humble himself. And you know what he did? He forgot the whole instant. He lost everything he'd worked hard for. And this man is a classic. He failed the test of success. I don't want you to fail the test of success. So today we're going to do three things. Number one, we're going to look very clearly about what gets people into trouble when they're successful. Number two, what are the steps to recover after you fail this test? And number three, what are the things to remember about God that will keep you from making exactly the same mistake that Nebuchadnezzar made? Today, let's kick off three causes of Nebuchadnezzar's fall and what gets you and me into trouble. Number one, take notes. We get comfortable and complacent with success. We get comfortable and complacent with success. When things are good, we chill out and we relax a bit. Daniel 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was enjoying a time of peace and prosperity in my kingdom and palace. I was taking it easy without a care in the world. You see, 
Number one point right there. Notice. He was so full of himself, he had lost sight, notice, of the suffering and injustice in the world which God cares about. Living in cushy land, forgetting the suffering. Does this like somebody... Does this sound to you, asking, I'm asking a question here, does it sound to you like somebody who's praying every day and in touch with the God of heaven? Or is he somehow can become disconnected in his lavish lifestyle? See, when pride creeps in, we marginalize God and his interests get forgotten. And we magnify our importance and what we want in the color of our bathroom or the type of car we want. Daniel 4.29. Now, I want you to notice in this all these self-centeredness in this verse. Notice. I said to myself, just look at this great city of Babylon that I have created. I, by my own power, have built this beautiful city for my glory. And I built to show my power, my might, my majesty, my glory, my goodness. Be humble lest you stumble. Proverbs 16.5. Why do I say that? I'll tell you why. There's a direct warning here. The Lord despises pride. Some versions say the Lord is opposed. It's quite a hard term. Opposed to the proud. Like you're going to get a brick wall in your face. That means he hates it. Strong language here. And and then it goes on. You can be sure the proud will be punished. Again, the God opposes and resists the proud. But here's a good part. He gives grace, grace to the humble. Grace is the power you need to change. And if you need to change something in your life, you need to be humble. If you need to change something in your marriage, you need to be humble. If you're proud, you're heading for a crash and chaos. Number two, this is the other thing that happens in success. We don't pay attention to the warning signs. Often in your life and my life, when things are going good, you don't see the warning signs. Warning signs are not seen because pride blinds us. When you are the center of the tension and all, all the lights are on you, you can't see a thing. And God warned Nebuchadnezzar, he says, because, here are the reasons, you've been arrogant, and you have ignored me, and you've claimed all the credits for your promotion, your power, your position, your prestige, you're about to lose your kingdom and your sanity question what are the warning signs you're getting a little prideful like you're forgetting God God told Nebuchadnezzar you're headed for disaster unless he changes quickly now Daniel said he needed to do two things and here's the things that he needed to do and here's the two things that you and I need to do when we're getting prideful number one Daniel 427 repent of your sins and start doing what is right that's one then two, this is going to surprise you, talking to Nebuchadnezzar, and begin to show merciful kindness to the poor and the oppressed. That was the prescription, the antidote. 
Repent, change your attitude. Humility is a choice. You humble yourself. Real smart. To serve the poor. Why would God tell the most powerful man in the world to serve the poor? I'll tell you why. Because it gets the focus off you. Success pampers you. It blinds you to the real needs of other people. It keeps you in touch with reality because you know what, friends? Honest to God, we live in a bubble in East Auckland. Most of the poor would love to be New Zealand's poor because we are filthy rich compared to the majority of the world. Majority. Not the minority, the majority. That's why you should be involved, which will help you temper your success in things like the peace plan. We're little children and we've been protected from, quite frankly, sexual exploitation. God's heart is for the, the oppressed, the helpless, and we forget that sometimes in our bubble. That's why you should be committed to that peace plan. Let me show you a couple of other biblical reasons on the screen, not in your outline. Proverbs 14, 21. If you want to be happy, be kind to the poor. It is a sin to despise anyone. Here's another one, 1431, a bit later on. Whoever mistreats the poor insults their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You want to honor God? Be kind to the needy. Oh, I honor God. Do you? This is one very practical way to do that. Question, are you doing anything totally unselfish to help other people who couldn't possibly help you back? Are you? God says, if you do that, that's like banking goodwill in the bank of heaven. Folks, God did not give you success so that you can be some fat cat and be prideful and buy more assets and have drinks with little umbrellas in them. God did not give you success for just your benefit, but to benefit others. The Bible says this in Luke um, 12, 48 on the screen. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Some people have got this idea and have heard this said, and it's a lie. They say, well, if God gave me lots of money like Bill Gates... I'd give lots away. No, you would not. You deceive yourself because if you're not doing it now, you will not do it then. If you have a record of being generous when you don't have the money, then you will continue to be generous when you have more. Doesn't matter whether you're a student or a widow. I know some widows who are so committed to God their mansion in heaven will be enormous, yet they've got next to nothing on this earth. Look out for, notice this too, Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are perishing. By the way, that would include the unborn because they can't speak for themselves and they are certainly perishing. I've told you here before. In New Zealand alone, there are 500,000 Kiwis who are not here, who should be. 
In America, it's much worse. We have 60 million Americans who are not here. My prayer is this will stop when we get the Supreme Court sorted. Pray for that. Don't be apathetic about that. Pray that the Supreme Court, you can legislate morality. Every law is legislating morality. The Supreme Court can stop that in the U.S. Northern Sri Lanka. Kimberly's just talked about it. We're helping them stay safe, get justice, not be exploited. I don't mind what you pick. Just pick something that's passionate to you, your wife. Then the third reason that Nebuchadnezzar fell, and it's going to be the third reason that you might fall in your success, if you don't act on the warning is this, we put off doing what we know is right. We put off doing what we know is dead right. What did he do? Well, he was warned, and he dawdled, and he procrastinated, and he delayed, and he deferred, and he ignored what he knew he should do. Nothing changed in his life. It was just business as usual, autopilot. Autopilot can be very dangerous if you're going in the wrong direction. You just keep going. You need to adjust the programming on the autopilot. The Bible says this, all of what King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed did actually happen to him. He lost it all. He was just taking a walk on the flat of his royal palace in Babylon, which is Iraq today. And as he looked out across the city, he again boasted to himself. As the words were still on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what God decrees for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your power has been taken away, and you are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You will be deposed from the palace ostracized by everybody and forced to live with the wild animals, immediately it happened. Now he lost his kingdom and he lost his mind and he literally went insane for a period of time. You can read about that. By the way, have you ever come across and seen a friend who all of a sudden decides not to do what God wants them to do and they just walk clean off a cliff and do something totally self-destructive? And you go, what in the world? Have you lost your blinking mind? You're going to leave your wife and your kids for her? Are you stupid? You're going to leave your husband and break up your marriage for that guy? You are crazy. People engage in self-destructive behaviors when they are turning from God. Warning, warning, Will Robinson. And if you know that, you're very old. God, though, notice, has mercy on Nebuchadnezzar after a period of humiliation. And he restores his mind. And now I want you to notice the steps that Nebuchadnezzar took back after he got his sanity back. And this is a road to recovery. When you have a major failure, and all of us do from time to time, we really blow it. You need to do these exact three things. Number one, he looked up. Number two, he woke up. Number three, he spoke up. Three steps to recover after a failure. Three steps to recover. Look up to God. Look up to God. The Bible says this in Daniel 4.34, first half of the verse, after this time had passed, in other words, when he lost his mind, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now he was going to start to give a testimony. I, Nebuchadnezzar, I looked up to heaven and my sanity returned. 
He lifted up his eyes to the heavens. Do you need to do that today? Some of you have never taken this first step. You're in a heap of trouble right now. You've got no clue what to do. You're looking to all sorts of other things. What Nebuchadnezzar did, he looked up to God for help in his hour of need. Your life's in the mess. It's going the wrong way. But you need to look up to God. You'll never find the answer down here or even inside yourself. Your answer is in him. He's your creator. Number two, you wake up to God's greatness and start worshiping him. You wake up to God's greatness and start worshiping. Here's why. When you focus on God's greatness, that's called worship. And you wake up to God's greatness, then you start worshiping. You get your focus off your humiliation, and you get your focus back on God. How do you do that? Well, perhaps in the past for you, you used to pray every day. Maybe you read the Bible. That's called a quiet time at the same time. Maybe you used to do that. And you need to do that with regularity. You need to develop a habit and start focusing on worshipping God every day. Maybe you've been inconsistent in your small group. Or you haven't been to a small group for a while. You need to get in one and be consistent in worshipping God. See, because what happens is in good times, we back off. I don't need to go to church this week. Now that we've got money, let's buy the batch. Let's buy the boat. Or we'll get a new hobby and we'll spend three weeks playing and once a month, well, we'll probably go to church because we probably should do that. Folks, if there's anything more important in your life than worshipping God and hearing him on a regular basis, you need to tell me. Some of you need to make a recommitment to be in his house, worshipping him with his family every week, not once a month or every two weeks. It is far more important to hear from God than to hear from TV or anything else that's going on in life. So, I wake up to God's greatness and I start worshipping again. Here's what he did. Fact, 43b. Excuse me, 43 and 4b. My sanity returned, here he goes, and I praised and I worshipped the Most High. And I honoured the one who lives forever. See there? I praised and I worshipped. Some of you have forgotten that. You haven't, you haven't woken up to God's greatness again. Now, let me say it this way. We get better when we replace pride in ourselves with praise to God. This gets us back on the right track. We get better when we replace pride in ourselves with praise to God. Remember the good times in your life can be as much of a test as the tough times. Every time God blesses you in your life, he is testing you to see what choice will you make. Will it be pride in yourself or praise to him? Now, by the thousand years before this event, Moses warned the people about to enter. Now, notice this. What's it called? Moses and the people were going into the promised land. This was in God's will. The promised land. But Moses was very concerned that the people would blow it and not make this exact same mistake. He was very concerned that the people would stop depending upon God when things are good. 
Same for us. When we're in the, in the gravy years of your life. So he says this. Let's notice this. He gives him this warning. Deuteronomy 8.20. Remember how God led you through the wilderness these past 40 years. There's a track record there. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. And you know what I found? Sometimes God does humble us by letting us go hungry. Hungry for a relationship that you desperately need or want. Hungry for a job that you don't have. And God will often let you go hungry to humble you. And it says, and he tested you with hardships many times. Remember, life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. Why did he test you? It tells us there, to test your character and to see if you really will obey whatever he commands you to do. Will you obey God when things aren't good and when things are very good? Now, here comes the other part of the test. The test of success we're going to get on to now. Now, God is bringing you into a good land. That sounds good, doesn't it? With plenty of water and bountiful crops and orchards full of fruit, abundant copper and iron ore in the ground, and you will lack nothing. Let me interpret that to you. Your bank account will be big enough that you are not worried about paying bills anymore. Here comes the warning. So when you're full and satisfied and prospering, praise the Lord with gratitude for all that he's given you. Now this attitude of gratitude is your first line of defense against falling for ego, arrogance, and pride. The more grateful you are, the more humble you'll be. Conversely, the more prideful you are, the less grateful you will be and the more irritated you can become. And then he says this, but be careful. So in spite of all these incredible blessings, be careful. This is the warning. That you do not forget the Lord. That you continue to always obey every command. See, it's so easy to forget when things are good. Otherwise, notice this, when you have built your fine houses, that's a plural, and your gold and silver have multiplied. In other words, when you've got dollars in the bank and your property portfolio is growing, your stocks, your business, your Kiwi savers doing well, be careful that your heart will become proud and you will forget it was God who saved you and delivered you out of the slavery and gave all this to you. Have you forgotten that? And when you become successful, don't think, quote, I did this all by my own strength. I became rich by my own power. And those of you who are successful in business and entrepreneurs and business, you need to write that verse down. Why? Because then it says, remember there's God who gives you the ability and the strength to produce wealth. Without him, let me put it another way, very simply. And you may want to write this one down too. Your health is your wealth. No health, no wealth. Your health is your primary wealth. And this is a gift of God and you should thank him for it. 
Instead, remember that it is God, your Lord, who gives you the ability and the strength to produce wealth. I warn you. This is another strong warning. If you ever forget God and beginning to turn things into idols that you worship, in other words, that they have priority. In other words, if God said, let it go, would you? If you can't, if anything gets between you and God, it's become an idol. Your job, your position. If he called you from that, would you say, no, I'm not leaving this. It's my security. Can you see the problem? See, your job isn't your provision. Your Lord is your provider. He turns off one tap, he'll open another. Your greatest test in your life may not be when you lose a job, but it may be when you get a new job. Why? Because you can be so involved in it, you sideline God, you sideline his bride, and the worships and the service to him get sidelined, secondary, third, fourth way down the line. So your greatest spiritual test in life, maybe not when you go into debt, but when you get a raise. And you go out and you buy some more assets that keep you from thinking about God's priorities because you're so busily occupied with stuff that you bought. So while Nebuchadnezzar is going through this recovery, he learns four things about God, and these statements will stabilize you in your life whether you're going through success or whether you're going through suffering. Four truths that will stabilize my life. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar learned in his fall. First, the first truth to remember, to get some perspective, is God's kingdom will outlast everything that I do. That's a truism. It's an axiom. So if you want to make a lasting impact with your life, bet on the kingdom of God. Have you got any chips on the table? Or you're playing with little dimes? Folks, your career is not going to last, but God's kingdom will last forever. Daniel 4.34 says, God's rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. Wow, that's a big word. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Second. Second truth. God's approval matters more than all others. Matters than any, more than anybody else. Everybody else may disapprove, look down on you, but if God approves of me, it doesn't matter a hell of beans. Daniel 4.35 says, All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. See, when you die, who do you want to say good job? People around you or God? The third truth is God's power is absolute. Carrying on, Daniel 4.35 and 37, He has the power to do whatever he pleases. Among the angels and with those who live on earth, no one can stop him or challenge him or even question what he does. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And Nebuchadnezzar said, hmm, I am exhibit A here. Daniel 4.36. When God restored my sanity, he also gave me back my honor and my kingdom all my leaders returned to me and my kingdom became greater than ever. So here's the point from that. I, I, I infer from that. If you've had a big fall, it's not over. It's never over until you're dead. 
So now he says, I praise, no, just as, so now I praise, I exalt, and I glorify. That's called worship. The king of heaven, have you lost your sense of worship for the king of heaven? Because everything he does is always right, always true, and always fair. Which means, God, next point, and the last truth here, that God never makes mistakes. We do, all the time. He doesn't. So Nebuchadnezzar looks up to God first, then he wakes up to God's greatness, and he's in, uh, that he's in control, and therefore he worships God, as we said. And then finally, the third thing the king did that you and I need to do when we go through a failure is you need to tell others how God has saved and changed me. Tell others how God has saved and he's changed me. Now, he's not shy. He's not embarrassed. He's not cringing about how his fall, and boy, that was some fall from the top to the bottom. He tells people, in fact, the entire world, in fact, anybody who listens to him, in fact, Daniel 4, 1 through 2, is Nebuchadnezzar telling this, is, is telling this testimony. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent a letter to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. May you prosper. And then he goes ahead. I want to tell you about all the wonderful miracles that God has done for me. Wow. What a change. Question, let me ask you a question. Has God done anything for you? Has he saved you from anything? Oh. Has he shown his grace to you? Has your life been changed by him? If any of the above is true, it's reasonable for us, for me to ask you, then who are you telling? One of the ways that you show humility and gratitude to God, as we've seen here, is by telling others. Let me put a finer point on that. Who have you invited to church this year? Who have you ever brought to church? His bride. His bride has got thousands of cells, millions of cells all around the world. Who have you said to, God did something for me and I need to tell you about that. That is an act of gratitude. Well, why not? If you're saying no one. Is it because you're embarrassed to talk about how God changed me? If that's true, that's called pride. The whole story just looked after, uh, looked, at, looked at today boils down to two things. God is God and you are not. He is in control. And when you remember that, whether you're in success or stress and suffering, it's going to keep you stable and keep you humble and keep you from falling and you won't forget God. Let's bow and pray. Would you pray the prayer like Nebuchadnezzar did? Would you today say to God, God, I, don't, I do not want to get complacent, uncomfortable with my life, so that I don't pay attention to you and warning signs. God, I want to put off procrastination. In other words, I want to stop putting off what I know to do is right. 
I don't want to procrastinate. I want to be humble. And I want to humble myself before you. I first take this step and I look up to you, God. Some of you, this may be the first time you've ever done this. And say, God, for the first time I'm looking to you. I've looked to myself. I've looked to everybody else for solutions. But I'm saying today, you are God and I am not. And I'm sorry for the times that I've acted like I am. You know what's best. I don't. Would you say, God, I want to wake up to your greatness with a fresh sense of awe. And I want to start worshipping you. I want to focus on you and not my problems, not my pain or even my successes. I want to replace pride in my life with praise to you. I want to recommit myself to being here, worshipping you with your family. Nothing is more important than for me to get to know you and your word because, God, your kingdom is going to last everything that I do. What you're doing in this world will outlast my career or anything else. So, God, forgive me for worrying about the approval of other people and help me to remember I don't need their approval to be happy. It's your approval that matters the most. Help me to remember that your approval is absolute, that you're in control, and history is your story, Lord. You're bigger than any problem I'm going to face, and I'm going to trust you because I believe that you never make any mistakes. You're always true, you're just, you're loving, and you're right. And Lord, would you help me to tell other people, forgive me for my shyness and sometimes my flat-out cowardice, my embarrassment. Lord, if I'm truly humble and grateful, I will tell other people about the good you've done for me. Help me tell others how you saved me and how you've changed me. And today, friends, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord, the manager, the CEO of your life, say, God, I open my life to you today. Jesus Christ become the manager of my life. I want your plan. I want your purpose, not the one that I've been trying to run. And I humbly ask you to help me to live with an attitude of gratitude, realizing that everything I have, including my next breath, comes from you, my creator. Holy Spirit, seal these words. Put a pebble in our shoe that we would remember your words. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said, Amen.